Welcome to the podcast, We Are All Americans. Conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis. The following conversation was recorded on May 19, 2018 at Side Street Projects in Pasadena, California. My name is Estella Sanchez, and I grew up in the Coachella Valley, and um, I currently live in Los Angeles, uh, and I am 23 years old. Well, my family uh, immigrated uh, to the U.S. from Mexico, but uh, my grandparents are farm uh, are farm workers, so they would immigrate to and from. The, U, uh, the U.S. and Mexico, so they didn't uh, like permanently settle in the U.S. until until they were retired. But the, even then, my even my in my mom's generation, like her siblings, her brothers and sister, like immigrated to the U.S. Yeah, they immigrated to the U.S., but they would go back and forth quite a bit. So, but I wouldn't. I would say that. Yeah, it's complicated. It's a complicated question. I've never quite, because uh, I have been asked that before, but I haven't quite figured out how to answer it, like, as coherently as I would like. Mm. Um, just because it is, it, I think it, that just speaks to, like, how complicated it is for my family. For migrants. Yeah, for Yeah, for when immigrants. you go back and forth between two places. Which it's completely, I they like, like between the 50s and 70s, like immigration between Mexico and the U.S. was a lot more. It is still very porous now, but like it was a lot easier to do it for work reasons when you were uh, during that time. So my grandparents would move back and forth, but they like settled in Calexico, which is a city close to the border across from Me- uh, Mexicali, which is its like sister city, mm-hmm. um, and they like. Yeah, they settled there for probably like when my when most my mom's like brothers and sisters were growing up. But there really is no difference between Calexico mm-hmm. and and Mexicali or like uh, other like or northern Mexico. It feels like it's you're you really have no sense of sometimes like where yeah. you are. Except for that really giant fence. <laughs> Except for that really giant fence. Yeah. yeah. And my mom would even tell me stories like growing up that like how she'd be she used to live like right by the border like literally the border was in her backyard and she would uh, play kickball and sometimes like the ball would get would go on to the other side so then like they would just jump the fence get it and then come back or like they're playing and then they see people like jumping the fence to come into the u.s and no one says anything because it's like it's fine it's normal you know well because if it's your neighbor and you're a kid like you know, if if the ball goes to your next door neighbor's house, regardless of what country they're in, you go get it. Yeah, yeah you get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's fine because it's it's fine. Um, yeah. So then, but then my my grandparents re- went back to Mexico uh, once they stopped working, like to retire at their their farm or their rancho. But my mom, she's a lot younger than the rest of her siblings. So she didn't go, and all my, all her, the rest of her siblings were grown up, so, like, they are probably in their early 20s, so, like, they, they were out and doing their thing, but my mom is, like, 20 years younger than, uh, her old, 
than her oldest mm. sibling. So she stayed in the, she didn't go with my grandparents back, but she stayed in the U.S. Um, and lived with her sister or lived with like uh, another one of my grandma's uh, siblings. Um, so yeah, I feel like that, and that's my mom's side of the the family, which I know I know their story a lot more than my dad's side because that's also interesting for different reasons. I, I mean, I would say I'm closer with my mom, but I know with my dad's side of the family, because we all come from, both sides of my family are from Jalisco, Mexico, which is like central Mexico. Um, and they all knew each other in Mexico too. Uh, and so like, I think those relationships and like kinships kind of like translated to Mexico because I have like a lot of a lot of people from one family that are married with people from the other family so we say we have super cousins because we're related on both sides of the family and it's not really ancestral but like yeah so (laughs) you always try to find out who your super cousin is so that you know if you were in an accident like you would who you would like ask to like donate an organ or like (laughs) get like a blood donation from um so yeah but I know my my grandma migrated to the U.S. uh, when my dad was a baby when his brothers were probably around 10 and this would have been uh probably in the 60s and in Mexico they they were, like, my grandpa was a doctor, and then my grandma would help him out, but then, uh, I guess, like, my grandpa started developing, like, mental health issues, and now they think it was, like, bipolar, mm-hmm. bipolarism, uh, but he became, like, an alcoholic, so, like, the story for most of my life was that he died, and then she migrated with her sons, it's, I think it's four of them to the U.S. and to the Coachella Valley. And then she, like, did farm work, but then she also, like, uh, she would smuggle, uh, <laughs> she would smuggle, like, uh, penicillin to the U.S. Mm. With, ne- uh, with and needles and stuff um, to give, like, penicillin shots to people and in the Coachella Valley. Because like, it was cheaper. It's cheaper than to going to the doctor. Yeah. yeah, so she would smell it from Mexico, come here, and then she would, like, charge for her services. And often, like, these are, like, people who also come to the U.S. who don't have access to, like, medical resources, who it's, like, too expensive for them to go to the doctor, or they're mm. afraid if they go to the doctor and get deported. So, anyway, I grew up in, in my grandma's house, and, like, people would come in. It, her name's Amparo, so, like, people would come into her house and, like pull down their pants and get a shot and then like leave money and then walk out Uh, but it was normal I thought it was completely normal like I didn't I didn't know what to think otherwise yeah you only know what What you you have in your family yeah Um, and your kids so that's I I would say that's how my family my both sides of my family came to the U.S. my maternal grandparents are in the U.S. like they're they're living in Calexico in a a retirement facility so yeah the other set of grandparents are uh my grandma on my dad's side just passed away in december and the my grandma oh that's right my grandpa so my my the story i heard for for a very long time was that my grandpa died in mexico and moved Mm -hmm. here and i never really heard why but then a year or two ago it was like 
what I heard from someone else, which made more sense, was that he was institutionalized in Mexico, mm-hmm. and, like, then, which I'm like, I don't even know what that experience was like in the yeah. 60s. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about I mean, it. even here in the 60s, that would not have been a good experience. Yeah, so, but then I know he, uh, so he, he died maybe, like, a couple years later. Oh. Yeah, when he was, yeah. Um, so that's what I know. Yeah. Does your family have any connection to the military? Uh, to the military? Probably not. Well, I guess kind of. Well, you know, like during World War II, it's not directly, but it's like a product of World mm-hmm. War II, like because of the lack of resource, uh, like labor resources to work like agricultural fields. That's how my grandpa first came or started working in the fields in the U.S. because ah. he was a bracero. Um, but he was, like, he came towards the tail end of the Bracero program, so it's, like, so we, like, our family wonders if he actually was a Bracero or if mm. he wasn't, um, but the, like, the consensus is right now that he is a Bracero, and that that's how he, by working in the fields in the U.S., that's how he got his citizenship, and then it became extended to my grandma, and, like, mm. in her, yeah, because they're married. And it was, and then all his, you know, all his children got, had green, access to green cards because of that. And when they were in their teens and stuff, that's when they got access to, uh, that's when they would apply for citizenship. So the U.S. government was bringing people from Mexico because of a labor shortage during the war. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's how my grandparents and, like, all, all my grandma's, like, siblings got into field work. Um. Because one person would come, would do work here, and then, oh, well, that one person's doing it, and it's good yeah. money, so, like, I'll come. And and that's a whole story, too, because, like, it was, because then, since they were all in the, working in the fields together, and, like, it's in Calexico, which one of the main organizing branches for the United Farm Workers Movement came out of uh, Calexico, and, like, there's this book written about my grandma, and she's, like, the most humble person in the entire world, and, like, she helped, like, she was a big, like, a big part of the farm workers movement. And we're so proud. That's, like, That's one awesome. of, like, yeah. Um, so she, like, helped organize with Cesar Chavez. And uh, and there's a story that she likes to tell where she said, like, where, where she's, like, protesting in the fields with, uh, a, with other people and her siblings and... And then, like, the police come because they're called on them, even though they're, you know, protesting peacefully. Um, and I think this was about, I mean, it, I'm not really sure specifically what it was about, but I, it was probably, a, you know, about, like, the lack of inhumane, so, inhumane yeah. treatment. At, Some kind of condition. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, the police come and, like, they start to, like, they, they begin to, like, physically attack the like the farm workers that are protesting and and then they're trying to pull like to arrest uh, arrest people to take them in even though they weren't doing anything mm-hmm. and so someone came a couple of the police officers came and tried to arrest my grandma but she's she says pro- with so much pride always that it like it took two police officers to bring her down and like and she yeah and I, and so she has a record and stuff. So, which is kind of funny. Because <laughs> my grandma has a record. Uh, 
Yeah. And then, like, there was another time where, like, someone, I think this police officer was harassing, well, during a protest was harassing her friend, and and my grandma felt like, I think he was, like, he was either hitting her or trying to arrest her, and so my grandma, like, literally, if you met this woman, like, she's the most saint-like woman in the entire world, very reserved, sorry, very reserved, and, like, very, um quiet and like she does you know she does right she's just like a very like she's a very like christian woman you know and she like so she grabs i don't know what she grabbed but she grabs something and she hits the police officer on the back of the head and beats him up but so yeah how old was she when she did that she was probably in her Twenties, yeah, her late. I think it was her like late, like late twenties, yeah, early thirties, yeah. And I talked to my mom and I asked her because my mom was so young, like when she was protesting too, uh, or my grandma was protesting, and what it was like, like and how that affected her growing up, mm. which was why well, I didn't know what to expect. But um, my grandpa. Because my grandma would travel a lot with the UFW, the United Farm Workers Movement, to, uh, like, in in the work that they did. Um, my grandpa would, like, my grandpa was the one that stayed home and took care of my mom, which I'm like, well, first of all, like, that is completely unheard of in, like, Latino machis. And in that time period. And in that time period that he let her... That That's, he basically let her do that. Not that he should have to let, let her do that. Yeah, but yeah. in that time period, and as much as one that is, he it is let her. Work. He let her do that. Yeah, and I don't really know why or like what it was exactly that allowed him. That made like that. That made that a possibility. But like, so that would that played a huge part in my mom's like upbringing that she was, she had, like, a lot of babysitters and stuff, and, like, um, and I don't think she grew up, like, quite with my grandma, like, her other siblings did, Mm. um, so, I mean, my mom said they moved a lot, like, even when they were living in Calexico, they would move from one housing situation to the next, and I think it was, and she's, like, she said, like, growing up, it, she didn't think anything of it, or, or she didn't think about why that was the case, um, but my gra- they, my grandma wasn't making very much at all, or neither one of them were, especially with, like, the boycotts happening, and, like, with the little bit of, she, my grandma would get money, a little bit of money from the UFW for the work she did, but, like, it's definitely not very much at all, so that's, that played, like, my mom thinks, like, that played, like, a big part in, uh... Like, do you think maybe they were getting evicted? Yeah, they were definitely getting evicted. So, yeah, and my, there's, like, my mom was, like, five. My mom was, like, five. She was a baby when all of this was happening. Yeah, so. Everything probably was really, really normal to her, like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. You don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> What's your story, Lauren? Um, I'm Lauren Vasquez. And I've lived in Bakersfield for almost 30 years, um, and I am 36. 
I unfortunately don't know a lot of my family history, I don't think, but um, on my mom's side, I know her grandmother, so my great-grandmother, came through Ellis Island with her parents when she was young um, from Hungary, and um, I have one picture of her holding me when I was months old, um, so met her, but she passed away when I was an infant still, and, but my mom grew up with her in San Diego, and I think originally they, after coming here, I think her and her parents settled in Ohio, if I remember correctly, and they lived there for a long time, and then, um, moved to Texas at some point, because my mom was born there in Texas, in, uh, Houston, and then they ended up in San Diego, which is where my mom grew up most of her life, and my great-grandmother, um, which I think is a German word, we call her Nudgmama, which I think is, or a, I don't know, Hungarian word, or if it's yeah. a, yeah. <coughs> um, but she owned a cafe there, and she raised my mom a little more than my grandma, who was just kind of young and maybe interested in doing other things. Um, but my mom has so many stories about being in the cafe and helping in the cafe when she was really little and everything, and um, has a picture hanging in her house now that hung above the door in the cafe, which is really, really cool. But um, And it's interesting that I don't have a lot of knowledge about it because I know that my mom does. My mom is um, LDS, and so... Latter-day Saint, Mormon. Mm, mm. Um, and so, like, genealogy is huge. Mm. And she has spent a ton of time doing research. And her and my dad used to do that together. Um, my dad less so, but my mom has, has really diligently researched her, her family and my dad's family. And... Um, I know on my dad's side, I was told when I was young that I was somehow related to Queen Elizabeth, (laughs) which I just thought was like, whoa, okay, that's amazing, (laughs) you know, pretty sure I told every friend I had, (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I know that they have the history, but I, I don't myself know it, I don't know, um, I don't think my dad's, I don't, I don't think I ever heard stories of, like, past my grandparents, if, like, their parents, or their, yeah, Hmm. so my great-grandparents on that side, if they immigrated or not, I don't think I ever heard kind of anything past my grandparents, you know, family, but, um, also I was younger, so it probably was talked about, but I wasn't listening because I was too young to care or pay attention. Um, and I think, like you said, having close proximity to those to that generation is like it's vital because I yeah. I was they were in Utah, I was here, you know. So I 
wasn't around them very much. Yeah. Um, I know my grandpa um, served in World War Two and was there on D-Day, you know, storming the beach. And, um, yeah, and I asked him one time, and he just shut me down real quick and just was like, you know, we don't talk, I don't talk about that. And I, I think I had asked my dad you know, once or twice, or my sister did, uh, you know, kind of like, do you know about Grandpa's, you know, service? And he was like, nope, he doesn't talk about it, he won't talk about it to, to me either, so, um, yeah, whatever it was, was, you know, horrible enough that he just didn't want to remember it, not even, like, not even any part of it to pass any part of it on, which, yeah, which is a shame, but also... I understand yeah, yeah, I have to respect that, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, I actually, when, we were when I was listening earlier, thinking, like, all these things that I don't know that, yeah, I really, it'd be really interesting just to do, do some research myself of, like, where, what the lineage is. And, mm. yeah, I mean, I know my dad tried to enlist... I don't know what, it, I guess it would have been for Vietnam, maybe? I don't know. He was, yeah, it was probably around that age. Um, but I think his hearing was too bad, so they wouldn't oh. allow him in. Oh. Um, hearing or eyesight, either one. But yeah, I don't think um, anybody else has military... Although, I don't know, there's, on my mom's side, but I don't know who it is, but I know there are pictures, I've seen pictures in, like, military uniform mm. of probably her mother's brother, or maybe great, or her grandmother's brother, maybe, um, but in a U.S. military uniform, but I don't know what the history is. a lot of holes to fill in. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of questions to ask yeah. when you go home. I know. I already texted my mom, like, have you done this, like, ancestry DNA thing? And she's like, yeah, I have my kid already. It got oh, buried, wow. but I am going to do it. And I was like, I want to do it too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Just to know. Yeah. interesting. When you were talking, it, like, dawned on me, which is so ridiculous, that... When you said Sister Cities, Calexico and Higali, yeah, that, like, the two names are... It's the same yeah. thing. And I did not even... I oh, you never made yeah. that connection? So it took me forever to make that connection, yeah. too. Christian, yeah. my ex-husband, is from Higali. Oh, okay. His family is all still there. Um, I think he has one aunt and uncle who passed, but the aunt is still there in Calexico. Cal yeah. So I've been there, like, many times. And yeah. I knew that they were, like... You know, yeah, similar in name, but I never even like. Oh, yeah, it's kind of oh. ridiculous. Yeah, it took me. I remember one time, like when I when we were driving away, it hit. It just like a light bulb went off in my head. It's like, oh yeah, oh. California, Mexico, East the yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine it's one of those things you only notice sometimes if you see it written next to each other. Yeah, right next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different. It's definitely like a fun 
it's a fun area to like be. Oh, most of my uncles are now are out here in like closer to LA, mm-hmm. which I think they needed to like leave Calexico because it's like not a very like it's hard. I feel like it's hor- it's really hard to grow up on a in a border city as like a young as a young like man or a young brown man. Uh, so yeah, I think the yeah, best is the breath. I think the best thing for them was to like move out to was to move out to away from there just because mm-hmm. you know you meet people because like border cities like they're always easier place you find a lot more places to party like there's a lot more access to party culture and like and then like you know just like I don't know I just don't know like what it would have been but yeah but they're out there most of them are out here mm. now yeah Let's get away from the family. Let's grow up. Let's go to the city. <laughs> I feel like that all has to do. Yeah, I it. feel like everybody has to move. Like I, so on my, I have one cousin in, who's in Thousand Oaks. Yeah. Maybe she's a second cousin. She's my mom's generation, and but everybody else is on the East Coast. And when my, um, I don't know my dad's history beyond the. I think they're all French Canadian, but I don't I don't know much about that side. But on my mom's side, everybody's from various parts of Eastern Europe, like Russia, Austria, Hungary, Latvia, mm-hmm. maybe Lithuania, and it's like places where the borders keep changing, and not everybody even agrees what country Either people in. are from. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have my great grandfather's um, naturalization papers, mm-hmm. and it says Russia. But I think it's because probably when he became a citizen, Russia had taken over Latvia. <laughs> so I think that's the mix-up. But the but on on that, so that's my mom's mother's parents, and they all moved. They came in through Ellis Island, and they all stayed in New York in mm. the city, or went the furthest to Long Island. But and I think at one point some of them lived in Connecticut, but everybody was pretty much like like. They, um, Bobby Pauline and 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 her husband Ben had an had an apartment in Stuyvesant Town, which is on the it's like a housing complex in the Lower East Side, and they lived there. And then their the middle daughter lived there with her husband and kid, mm-hmm. a couple floors up. Yeah. And then it sort of and then my cousin their kid stayed there until she was an adult. And started having her own kids and moving to Connecticut. So it was like she grew up in That's this apartment silly. building with her grandmother yeah. in the building. And um, but on my mother's father's side, they all came also similar parts of Eastern Europe. Like both, they're all Ashkenazi Jews, and they moved from. But they when they came into Ellis Island, they all ended up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and stayed. And so my cousin that's out here is from that group and she was like thought of as like the black sheep like you left Pittsburgh <laughs> oh my god and you went to California <laughs> and she came I think in the in maybe in the 70s to LA and but other and my grandfather has a was um I think there were five siblings in his family and he went to New York City, but everybody else stayed in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And there's still like a ton of relatives in Pittsburgh. <laughs> wow. yeah. And and I, 
my impression of them, like we used to go there a lot when we lived in Buffalo and my grandparents still lived in Long Island. It was like where we would go for Thanksgiving and Passover. But my, my impression of them now is that they're kind of this like insular, like they're really well connected to the Jewish community and maybe don't speak outside. I mean, they're, some of them were Orthodox. So they, my grandfather was raised Orthodox and so I think they, like, not Hasidim, which is, like, with the hats and the, yeah. pe- like, not ultra-Orthodox, but enough where I think they really kind of just, like, kept to themselves. And so I, like, it, I brought it up because it made me think about, like, how important it is to leave home yeah. and to, like, experience other people. Yeah. In, and so when my cousin came to L.A. and then my... Um, my, when my grandparents retired, they went to Florida, and already my grandmother's brother was was in Florida, in Orlando, but I, or first in Miami and then Orlando, and I feel like, and then my sister and I immediately were like, and we're leaving Florida. <laughs> so I think it's yeah. like that sense of like you have to leave to experience new things, yeah. new things, and and go, yeah, and just meet other people and get outside of. Your family. Yeah, so but it's at the same time so nice. Important. Like I actually like we. My husband's family is all in the in New England mostly. He has some family <coughs> in Florida too, but um, and his family is also almost all French Canadian with some Irish. Like they have the last name Quinn, oh, wow. but everybody's pretty much French Canadian mm-hmm. on both his parents' sides, and um. And I think it's his grandparents that left Canada, and they were also farmers. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then worked in the mills in um, in in Massachusetts, I guess. But like, always kept a garden. So I th- like he spent a lot of time with his grandparents. I once my f- mom moved my sister and I to, with her to Florida. We also like my grandfather was basically my dad growing up because my father wasn't around, and my like that having that like intergenerational connection I think is we didn't live in the same house but we lived just like a few miles away yeah. and saw them all the time and but that's I think how we also know the family history because my grandfather and his brothers kept a really big they have a family tree that goes back like at least six generations and I think on my grandmother's side too their her brother went back a lot so I have this like big document on my mom's side but then on my dad's side like there's nothing I yeah Yeah. I've only recently started getting stuff from them because I did my last name is not very common the way it's spelled and I started randomly getting emails and FaceTime calls from a Chris (laughs) Jackless with the exact same spelling and it was clearly he was trying to send it to his daughter and her my email is mjackwis at gmail. Hers is majackwis at gmail, and okay. he was forgetting to put the A in it. So it, I finally, like, emailed him back and was like, are you related to Marston Jackwis from Buffalo, New York? And he was like, well, yeah. And Marston is my father, but also my grandfather. And so my grandfather and Chris's grandfather were brothers. Oh, my gosh. And so he's somewhere in Pennsylvania, and my father has lost touch with a, a lot of his family, too. And they're all most, a lot of them I think are in like the Adirondacks close to the border of Canada. And then his parents went to Buffalo. And then when they died, he went to Colorado. 
so he's kind of not really in touch with them and for a lot of reasons I guess but they sent Chris sent me this photo of a family reunion and everybody's blonde and I was like that's where my sister and I get <laughs> nobody on my mom like my mom's blonde. hair is as dark as yours before it turned gray yeah. and like really kinky curly and a lot of like everybody looks really Jewish whatever that means my sister and I everybody's like you don't look Jewish but like we look like my father's and we would look like a mix, but we definitely, our hair is from that side of the family. And yeah. we saw the photos, we're like, oh my God, they all, that's who we look like. <laughs> it's really weird. But like, it's, I always find it interesting, the military connection, like, there's a lot of generations of people in the military in my family until my generation, and then it cuts off. And, and I think a lot, I don't know what exactly has to do with but my, my, great-grandfather on my mom's side from what I understand my grandmother's father was from Russia and he joined the army before he was a citizen and um, got a citizenship after his discharge and then his, two of his three kids also joined the military my great-uncle I don't remember what branch he was in and my great-aunt was a nurse. I think she was an army nurse, and she met her husband in the military. This is the same family that lived in the same apartment okay. building in New York together. Um, so maybe living that close together was so it was influential. And then, and my great uncle, who was in the, um, who moved to Orlando, he was in the military. I don't remember what branch, but apparently was like involved in the atomic bomb researching and testing. Oh wow. And I got to interview him because he, I think, ha he's still alive and I think he has, like, really fascinating stories yeah. that I don't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. But my grandmother um, was in, went to art school in New York for fashion illustration and then worked as a technical illustrator and apparently drew maps for the Normandy invasion, even though she didn't know at the time that that's what it was for. <laughs> and then... I think also, like, did technical illustration for some, like, aerospace companies or something. And then my grandpa, that's who she married, was in the Navy in World War II. But I don't know if he ever actually went abroad. Because he had these ideas of, like, oh, they weren't sending Jews abroad. Yeah. That's why I didn't go. But I don't know if that was really the case. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but he was also an artist. And he, he never went... He didn't finish... I'm not even sure he finished middle school, or or maybe he finished middle school and didn't go to college. But his parent, you know, he's a child of the depression, and his parents, his father died when he was young, and he had to work right away, and he had a lot of siblings, and he helped take care of them, and then, but he started doing set design and decorating, and worked in like Pittsburgh Regional Theater, and then did like summer stock theater in in maybe in Massachusetts, I think in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and then started working in New York and everybody knew he was from Pittsburgh and that's where Carnegie Mellon is and at the time it was called Carnegie Tech and it has a really good renowned theater program so people would be like oh you're from Pittsburgh you went to Carnegie Tech and he's like yeah like <laughs> or, or would just like nod and never tell them no and so that's how he got his jobs and he was okay. like he worked on Shaft <laughs> and The Wiz and like did stuff with um, apparently did like some Michael Jackson and Billy Idol music videos nice. and, and like a TV 
this TV show, the soap opera called The Edge of Night, which maybe stopped. I never saw it, so I don't know if it ended in the 70s or the 80s. I think he retired in the early 80s from doing it, but he'd like, he did set decorating for film and television in New York and like has like kind of an impressive resume, but yeah, it's before <laughs> people listed. He did King Kong. He worked on King Kong too, but it was before people listed everybody. So only like the head designers would get listed in the credits. So he's yeah. not in. There's no IMDb right, page right. for him, and he doesn't have. He's not in a lot of the credits, but he has a really interesting. Make him a Wikipedia page. I know. I know. I, of, I do somewhere have this handwritten resume he made like before he died. My mom was getting him to recall. I think my mom was writing it down, and he was talking. And saying, okay, this movie, that movie, that show, that commercial. Oh, that's so great. That's And trying to keep... Yeah, they're pretty fascinating. But they didn't want their kids to go and study anything related to art or film. (laughs) So, like, my uncle did biomedical (laughs) engineering. And my mom did elementary education because they told her that was a nice career for a young lady. (laughs) And... Before feminism, and then <laughs> my grandmother, she also was a singer, and she was supposed she wanted to. This was the other like California connection. So her uncle left New York and ended up in L.A. And he was a, I guess he was a drummer in like a band, and he wanted her to tour and sing with his band. Uh. And her parents were like, no. absolutely yeah, not. Absolutely you're not <laughs> going with him. I know what those things are. No, that's not a career you're for a respectable a woman. <laughs> but she did sing, I guess, in nightclubs in New York. So when soldiers were coming back yeah. from World War II, she was singing in the nightclubs. And I think that's how she and my grandfather met. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's kind of a love story. It is. It, yeah, but they had like a, they should never have married. They had like a really volatile relationship and when I was like he says when they met he was like this is the woman I'm gonna marry and she always said a month into their marriage she knew she made a mistake but they were married until they died oh my god but they really should not have been but the um my grandmother's parents their story is really fascinating this is the one who got who got their citizenship after being discharged from the army he the story I was told is that, so her family, my great-grandmother, Pauline, her family had a bakery in Austria, and when they moved to the U.S., they opened a bakery on the Lower East Side of New York, and supposedly my great-grandfather walked past the bakery, looked in the window, was like, wow, this looks really good, and she motioned for him to come in, and then he opens his, like, empties his pockets, be like, I don't have any money, I can't come in, and then she got him to come in anyways, and then, like, and my uncle's great uncle's like, and then that's how we were all born. So that's kind of how this And then nine months later, that's yeah. it. Yeah. But then my cousin was telling me recently, the one who lived in the same building with her grandparents, she was saying that her grandfather's family wanted him to divorce her grandmother because they weren't. They, they didn't think they were from a good, good family or, like, whatever, like, yeah. Austrian Jews were not as good as Russian, Latvian Jews. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> 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 they really... 
but from Sound of the Tracks. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so I, I want to interview her. I want to find that story. I was like, okay, I don't know about that one. Because this was just like a little brief thing she said in an yeah. email. And I was like, oh. Okay, let's pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. But my parents also had that, like, my dad's side's Catholic. And my grandparents on that side did not go to my parents' wedding. Because they, because my mom was Jewish and they didn't agree. And my grandparents on my mom's side didn't agree with it. But it, when my mom said, "Well, fine, we'll just live together," they were like, "Oh, okay, we'll okay. give you a wedding." Yeah. So, yeah. But they weren't really happy with it. <laughs> that. Don't live in sin, jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my I t- my father was also in the military, and he went. He got drafted in Vietnam, and he said. The story was that he he says, well, I'm in college. I majored in the three Bs, booze, broads, and billiards. And so I was, like, partying too much and failing classes, so that's why I got drafted. Because I guess if you were doing well in school, maybe you could have stayed. And then he says he enlisted in the Air Force and was, like, loading planes. But I think, I don't know a lot. Like, I feel like I've been told, like, random stories about him them all probably being drunk and high <laughs> and throwing cows out of the back of the airplane and watching them shit on the way down. Oh like, that's God. the story I was told. And then I think he was in a few um, covert operations, but he doesn't really. Like, I don't know details mm-hmm. of it. But I, I think it probably messed him up. Like, and, you yeah. know, yeah. and he just doesn't... Um, he's had a few... He's told me about a few reunions with his military buddies that he's had or at least one, and that they all talk, like, we want to go back to Vietnam and, like, visit and, like, sort of just mentally deal with this, yeah. but no one's actually planned the trip. Um, but I think having the reunion was, was helpful, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But he became, like, totally, I think, hippie, anti-war, to the point where, when, as an adult, when the... I wasn't in touch with him when the first Gulf War happened in the 90s. I was in high school, but in the when the set, the U.S. invaded Iraq in, in 2001, we were in touch, and he was like, I'm driving, if, if there's a draft, I mean, I was too old to be drafted, but he was still like, if there's a draft, we're, I'm taking you and your husband and your, maybe Jeremy and I weren't married yet, you and your boyfriend and your sister to Canada, and you guys are not arguing so against yeah. the yeah. war and any it's war. so much trauma. I, I, it's like, I don't, I don't know how anybody ever heals from, no. from, the, from the war. And you could, yeah. I feel like they make, it's, a, you know, you're a teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, so you're still at the age where you're obedient <laughs> and you're, and you haven't, you're not, you're not going to question stuff when, at that, at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by like, I want to hear the find out like well, why would my great grandfather join the military for a country that he's still new to like what was that motivation did he really believe in the cause of the war or did yeah. he just see it as an easy way to get a citizenship yeah or what it was but have redone it <laughs> risking yeah life. I know yeah. his letters are fascinating because he does talk a little bit about like um it feels really patriotic. Like there is definitely that. Like we're American, and I'm, I'm going to get the Kaiser. And <laughs> then he also says things like, "I'm a tough Jew now. Now I eat pork, and because Jews aren't supposed to. Eat, if you keep kosher, yeah, you don't yeah. eat pork." 
He's like, but it's just really interesting. Like, I don't know how long they've been in the country, but it feels like they, by then, assimilated. Yeah. Like, and felt really American and not felt wherever they were whole country. Whereas I feel like a lot of <coughs> immigrants in that, even a lot of immigrants in that, at the turn of the century, were still, like, in tight-knit communities with people from their home countries. Right. And his letters are also date things, Christmas, Easter, yeah. and Purim, which is like a minor Jewish holiday, so it's like if you're not like I feel like they must have been religious enough to celebrate the minor Jewish holidays, but then at the same time marking dates by, yeah, by the Christian Jewish holidays, which are mm-hmm. I feel like for a lot of people they just see them as American holidays Yeah, so it's kind of, I find that also kind of an interesting thing that I don't really know the motivation for. Yeah, or maybe it's just a lack of knowing what date it is. Yeah, when yeah. Out. Which is probably, could totally be it. Like, it's you like just know Christmas it's sort of so Christmas it's season. Yeah. But I don't know the real date. Yes, yeah, especially, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, especially if you're abroad and it's the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're probably... It's extension. Like, they're telling time by... By... Major U.S. or, like, yeah. Christian holidays. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. That's really interesting. Anything else you guys want to talk about or mention? I've always been, well, because I just have never known this history, it hasn't been something that I've ever been aware that I'm lacking. And then going to school and seeing a lot of artists do work about their lineage or about, you know, their culture or whatever. And I remember, like, the first semester... I don't remember exactly if the question was to identify our culture or identify our community. I don't remember, but whatever. It was one of those two, and I had no idea how to answer it. I literally had, I was like, I think it was culture. And I was like, I don't don't know. I don't know what my culture is. I don't even know. You know? I still don't even think I really Do you think, like... It's almost like white becomes this, like, neutral... It's the neutral. Yeah, it's the center. It's There's... Right. Yeah. What I notice, at least from talking to people, is it seems like if you're in a minority religion or a minority culture, it's a little... You hold on to it out of, out of like, a preservation. And then if you're in the dominant culture, you don't even have to think about it. Because it's just yeah. the norm, and yeah. it's part of... It's in your face all the time, so you don't ever... Have to, you're not confronted with it in the mm-hmm. same way when because you're not othered. Yeah, because it's by easier. Anyone. It's less hard to fit in. Yeah, there is no assimilation. Right, it's assimilating yeah. to the dominant culture. So there is no. You don't have to even be aware of any kind of like cultural signifiers whatsoever. Like you just. Yeah. Yeah, I. I think. Uh, which is ridiculous and you know all of the whatever but also sad also yeah yeah it's like yeah but that I can't even like name or think about or you know yeah that you wouldn't know how to answer what your culture I have no idea what that is yeah it's kind of sad interesting one of my students years ago I remember ask him asking me 
like, so what generation are you in, in, in the U.S.? And I was like, I'm the third born here. And he's like, I'm the fifth born here. He's like, but because of my last name and how I look, and he's Japanese-American, he was like, everybody will always think of me as a Japanese-American artist, not just as an American artist. And he was like, it came up in a studio visit because he was upset about like certain professors making assumptions about what his work should look like or be. And he was like, can I just make art and be done with it and not be yeah. labeled by my race or ethnicity or last name or anything and, and I, I that has stuck that was so long ago but it has always like stuck with me and I was like yeah I get it yeah. 